on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, Monday, October 2nd. Happy October, everybody. Halloween's around the corner. Playoffs around the corner. The LA Galaxy hanging on by the slimmest of threads. We're going to talk about their 3-3 draw with the Portland Timbers on Saturday night, tell you why it wasn't good enough, but also why they're still alive and still kicking as they look at a midweek game against Seattle Sounders. Will Ricky Pooch be playing? And then off to Minnesota after that over the weekend. This is a big week. This could determine whether the LA Galaxy stay in the playoff hunt. We've got a lot to get lot to get to, a lot to talk about. To help me do that, we're glad to have him back. It's Kevin the Panda back, sir. Kev, how's it going? Hey, you know that Michael Araujo intro? He says it, they're going to take you behind the scenes with soccer reporters. And MLS Who's, expert. Like, yeah, but reporters, like plural. I'm the only one I ever see here. Yeah. You, Who's the other reporters? No, it's me. Smart. Oh, okay. Smart guy. Good job. Way, way, to, way well, to pay attention. No, I, I thought, think of you as the podcast yeah, like yeah. host. I'm, I'm, I've also been a member of the North American Soccer Reporter since 2018. No, no, but you're, so. you're the host. Can you be the host and the guest at the same time? I mean, it says soccer reporters. It doesn't say the soccer okay. reporter can't be the host, right? Okay. I mean, I, mean, I was just. I mean, one of us. Go, I was, was going to say one of us goes to Galaxy Games. One of us doesn't. So I was just oh, wondering I, which one. Which one that yeah, would be? Yeah, I remember when I saw you at that LAFC game, and then what was the other one when when uh, the last home game that you couldn't go to? Yeah, because because my family was sick. Was that the one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job. Well, my, I, my family I has COVID. A, and, and I was and, at a fundraiser. I was at a fundraiser raising money for mm-hmm. for Darfur refugees who have a soccer team. So oh, there. you know what the really awesome now thing you is? Bad. You know what huh? the really awesome thing is? Nobody can hear you right now. So that's good. It's not even you. Why, why is it's, that? No, Hello? it's not even you. It's because we spent a good portion of our time uh, today. Uh, let's see if I can get it fixed. We spent a good portion of our getting ready time screaming at each other. Uh, about the uh, about a whole a whole bunch of stuff. Hold on, I'll get it for you. Okay, now everybody can hear you. So yeah, that's why you that's why you muted me because I was making yeah. such great points and no. embarrassing you. No, it's it's it, it, that wasn't it at all. So you know, I like it though that the chat room is about fifteen seconds behind me, so I get to hear everybody complaining about it for another fifteen seconds. That's complaining not, about not being able to hear me. No, they can hear you now. I mean, they oh, can. They couldn't yeah. before. Is that what they were complaining about? Yes, they were complaining about. I but but quite honestly, you should be muted. This. Do you just no, want to? Should we start the show over again? We could totally. No, I mean, 
We, I just, think it's interesting that all these people are complaining because they can't get my pearls of wisdom, which clearly is what they tune in for. Nobody ever misses you when you're gone. Let's just put it that way. I'll just say. <laughs> if I had you on mute the whole time, even though they're asking, it's only because it's annoying. It's like listening to one side of a phone call. So that's really <laughs> what you're saying. No, Kevin Kevin was asking who the soccer reporters are um, on with Michael Araujo's intro. And I said, I said, what, what do you mean? And he goes, he goes, well, it's me. I'm a soccer reporter. It's like... It's like the dude walks around with like blinders on and doesn't. Jesus, you're you're the podcast host. I I I consider you in that role as podcast host. Right. I I've never broken any news about the LA Galaxy. Right. That's not my point. Well, I'm you sorry. Can I'm just news. you can you can be a n- podcast host not and break news, or you can be a reporter and break news. But when you are in this podcast host role. We, we're supposed to be talking about the galaxy. And anyway, it's not supposed to be over until the fat lady sings. Uh-huh. She has not sung yet, but she is backstage warming up. I uh, I think we've been paying attention to the wrong number. You paying attention to points. See, I was, gonna, I was totally, I was going to say this before we started the show. Hey, everybody, let's see how long it takes Kevin to skip over the game that got played because he wasn't there and go directly to the math that he did. The- on, the game is in history. my car on the way home. The game is over. We can't change that. They it's want history. Get people actually get here. I know this is crazy because this is called analysis. People actually pay attention to us because sometimes we analyze what happened and find out. Like there was a very big thing that happened to the LA Galaxy on Saturday. A huge revelation that we haven't seen all year. And it wasn't Eric Zavaleta scoring two goals because you can't count on that ever again. Or three Patrick, goals if you want to call Patrick, the, the, the yeah. own goal there. Um, first, he hasn't done that since college. The two goals, the hat trick, probably never. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole deal. The revelation was the LA Galaxy ran out of horses finally. The subs came in. The LA Galaxy seeded possession in the second half. They went from winning to drawing a game. By the way, it would have been their first win whenever they've allowed the first goal the entire season had they have come back against Portland in that particular case. Bottom line is they ended up drawing it. And what did we find out? So many times this year, Kevin, we have seen since Chris Klein departed and the LA Galaxy went on their basically only two losses from May 31st on. Right. So that's the uh, that's the L.A. Galaxy right now. Two losses. The but I think five wins. Right. Yeah. yeah. MLS best notes four wins. I actually I actually think it's oh, well, that's not I was doing a different one. But no, you're right. It's not that many wins, but there's only two losses, which is an MLS best. And having said that, as we like to say in the show, the L.A. Galaxy still in 13th place. Right. That's because their 11 draws are second most in the Western Conference. Only one other team has drawn more often than the Galaxy. And I, I don't know what that says. I mean, it says they're good enough to be in games and to draw and and they fight to the finish and all those kind of things. But then on the other hand, it says they're not good enough to win. And I think the game this this weekend was a prime example of that. They went down right, right. early on without Ricky Pooj. I, I think that was like a, brack, a, a, a backbreaker when you think about it. They don't have Ricky. By the way, they've scored five goals now without Ricky in, in like 110 minutes. That's pretty I, – I would have never guessed that they could have done that. But they go down. They fight back. They take the lead. They're trying to close it out, and they just can't get to the finish line. And and so I still – when I look at those draws, I mean, are those draws good or bad? As, as Wilkins told you, one t- take one of those draws, right. just one, turn it into a win. Yep. And we're talking about a completely different scenario. You, you have two more. I mean, even Greg Vanny was saying it today, right? It was the whole deal. You have to have three draws equals one win, right, for the Galaxy. So it takes you three games to get three points. When in, if you win, you get one game and it gives you three points. The way to the top is through wins, right? We were talking before this, 
And I'm sure we're going to get into this argument later, but we were talking about what is MLS trying to prioritize with the playoff system and everything else. And whenever we look at everything that goes through there, whenever you look at the lopsided records, which was it Montreal that has 11 wins and six, 14 losses or something like that you were trying to pull up, right? Yeah. Montreal, Montreal is in it right now has a last playoff berth in the, Eastern Conference, and they have 11 wins and 16, and 16 losses. losses. So so you're like, how can a team with 16 losses be involved in the playoffs? And I said, because the wins is actually a good amount of wins. Like, y- you have to understand, MLS is prioritizing wins. Now, we can all agree that nine is too many teams for the playoffs. I'm in agreement with that. But where you draw the line this year is totally arbitrary. You get to decide. Well, it's not like good teams aren't going ma- to miss the playoffs, right? There is no such thing in the Western Conference outside of St. Louis who ran away with things of a really good team. I think there's been some teams that have had good, good streaks in there, but most of it has, and we've used this word, you know, a, a lot has been mediocre. So well, it, your point gets made even better by, I think MLS is, is maybe the only, or one of the only leagues in the world where the first tiebreaker is not goal differential. Yeah. If two, two teams have the same amount of points, right. it's, it's wins. wins. Yeah. The first tiebreaker is wins. So again, as you said, is MLS prioritizing wins? Well, if the first tiebreaker is wins, yes, they very they very much are. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, by the way, we have some super chats. This clearly is out, and then we'll get back to the game against uh, Portland. Uh, Andrew, two dollars super chat says, if you could have one man from last year, one guy who was on last year's team, who you wish was still here, who would it be? I have a I have wow. a cheeky answer. That's a good question. That's a really good question. No, the answer is Chicharito. Yeah, I wish he yeah he should still be here. <laughs> no. Last year's Chicharito, not this La- year. Yeah, last year's Chicharito. He okay. was he was a, he was a good guy. Do, do you, I mean somebody uh, chat room said Grand Sear? I thought was a good good call. Um, yeah, Casares also would be a cheeky answer for or Brugman or like yeah. <laughs> there's lots of guys who got injured this year who you could sort of do that. But I think maybe Grand Sear having if he stayed. But you had Tyler Boyd who's had you know a pretty decent year overall. Um, what about Julian Araujo? Julian Araujo. I mean, yeah, you'd want him back right now because Caligari's injured, but otherwise Caligari has been better than Julian Araujo was with the LA Galaxy. Not saying he wouldn't have gotten better. And by the way, we talked about it on Thursday. Julian Araujo doing great. Um, Barcelona fans actually want him back on the 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 A side as, as quickly as they can get him. Although he, he limped off with an injury. Oh, did serious. he? When did, when did that happen? Yeah. Over the weekend? Yeah, late in the game. By the way, when you talk about guys from last year, Kevin Cabral has two goals for yes. a Colorado team that scored 24 times. I was surprised to find that out. They have 24 goals. I know they had this amazingly huge, out-of-control goal differential, and I thought that's because they gave up a bunch of goals. The Galaxy have given up more goals than Colorado. Right. Colorado just hasn't scored at all. Yeah, well, um, the Galaxy have a league high across all competitions, 20 different goal scorers. Uh, 20. Having said that, that's not a good stat, right? That's not something you want to have happen. It's like uh, if you're in the NFL and you're like, oh, look how many players have played in games this year. And it's like, that's not a good stat. That means either guys are getting injured or you don't have the right combination. You're switching things around all the time. And for the LA Galaxy, probably a combination of both, right? Um, so, so that was interesting. Uh, by the way, uh, Jonathan, uh, gave us a $2 super chat and says Baxter is better than Serrano on Monday nights. So that was, you remember, remember you replaced Mr. Adam Serrano on this podcast. I did. That was a long time ago. It was a very long time long time. John's 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 been around for a while. So, um, and then, uh, Gilberto, uh, $5 super chat. Uh, Pooj was sitting with Brugman and Mavinga in the suites next to Lars. His reactions were great. I have, I have to imagine that anytime you have a player who's 
as competitive as Ricky Pooge or, or, or with uh, Brugman or, or any of those guys who they're sitting and they're injured and they can't be involved that like they have to probably be going nuts. Do you remember when Gio and Jonathan sat in the uh, El Trafico uh, box because they were both injured when Zlatan came on and uh, ended up winning that game? Weren't there reaction videos from those guys going crazy? I, seem to I don't even that. know if those guys were watching the game. I seem to remember that. Um, so anyway, no, the, just, uh, just getting those out of there. But this game, for me, the biggest eye-opener was that throughout this season, the LA Galaxy had been next man up. And even when they had the injuries, they're like, ah, oh, you know, they reloaded in the summer and they sort of had guys come back up. And ever since Chris Klein has been let go, the Galaxy have been sort of on this tear. They, they haven't lost a lot of games. As you said, they haven't won a lot of games. There's been a lot of draws in there. But they've been sort of able to always at least try and replace the guys who have gotten injured. And quite honestly, when you look at the midfield that started in, in Portland, I mean, you have to, there has to be, or against Portland, you have to sort of tip your hat that they were even in this game. Mark Delgado, um, Edwin Cerillo in there, Uri Rossell, right? I mean, that's not a huge, whenever you think that the midfield used to be, you know, um, uh, uh, Gaston Brugman, um, you had uh, Ricky Pooge in there, right? You had Delgado in there as well. Having those three guys versus the three guys that you're seeing right now, that's different. That's very different. Uh, and I think this is where the Galaxy suffered the most was in this midfield. And so I think that's where the defensive problems in the last couple of games are going. Eric Zavaleta tried to highlight that after the, uh, after the match when we talked to him. So you see that. But the bottom line is they went to the bench in the second half, Kevin. And when they went to the bench, there was no answer. There was no push. There was no drive. There was no creative force. Uh, you know, Dayon Jovulich, from as much as you want to give him a uh, shtick for not being sort of that guy who has come on and scored a lot of goals and done a lot of things, um, he, he didn't get see the ball in that whenever he came on as a substitute. As soon as Billy Sharp went off, quite honestly, the creativity went out. Douglas Costa went off. The creativity went out. The Galaxy are out of bullets is what I'm trying to say, right? The chamber is empty, Kevin. I don't see... The, the depth that they acquired in the summertime is now starting because those yeah. guys got hurt. So Yeah, that, that's what you were saying earlier, and you were right. You know, with these uh, mid-season, well, late-season acquisitions, what it really did is it, you know, a couple of guys, Yoshida came in the starting lineup, Sharp worked his way in there. But what it really did is it deepened the bench. And and now with so many injuries, you know, with Ricky being being perhaps doubtful for this next one and, and maybe he's, even for he's the weekend. Not, he's not playing. He's not playing on so, Wednesday against Seattle. Craig said as much today. We'll talk about it, though. So that that has hurt that depth. But the other thing that jumps out about me, and just looking at the numbers, and I know you're going to talk, uh, Eric talked a lot about, Eric Zavaleta talked a lot about the defense and how it's not what it seems to be. But you know what? In the last four games, the Galaxy have given up th 13 goals. They've mm -hmm. given up three goals in each of their last three games. Yep. And um, I know that they've been scoring goals because they've been getting draws, but uh, you know, defense wins titles. Defense gets you into championships. Defense gets you into the playoffs. I don't care what sport you're playing. Um, but I think the you're Galaxy can't can't keep scoring three goals a game just to get a point. No, and Greg says it as well. The the defenders say Zavaleta's point isn't that it's not the defense in terms of it's not a defensive issue. The the argument is it's not a back line specifically issue, right? No, in, 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 no in, in soccer you defend with eleven. You know that it's a misconception to say it's the back line. At least uh, maybe, ten. May, <laughs> at least ten. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe your, your your striker doesn't come back, but but for the it's team defending. It's team defend. It it begins a breakdown up front. You lose the ball. Goes through the midfield because the midfield is not good. You get to the back line. They're overwhelmed uh, with numbers. So it, it's really it really is team defending. And so yeah, you look at it and say, okay, well the last mistake that led to the goal was made by a center back. Well, 
look at the buildup and how many chances the, the, the team had to stop that attack and couldn't do it. So it really is team defending. I agree with Eric on that. Yeah, and and you can see it especially, and I, I thought it was interesting. I was talking to Alex Ruiz after the game, and Alex went and pulled a, a number, and he said he was working on his film room article, found this noteworthy stat from the 80th minute until the end of the game, so the last 10 minutes plus whatever stoppage time was there. Uh, the LA Galaxy lost possession on average once every 3.2 touches, right? So the Galaxy couldn't hold on to the ball. That's where the transition moments came in. Greg Vanny agreed with Scott French, which is always fun and exciting, where Scott said, maybe you guys should have even lost that game. And, and Greg said, yeah, he goes, because we were under fire for the last 15 minutes of that game. Uh, and I asked about the subs. I asked about Douglas Costa coming out because the Galaxy played really well. Costa had two assists from two set pieces and um, and also had a goal his own. I mean, a lucky goal that the Galaxy get, which is fine because the Galaxy gave up an unlucky goal on the other side with Zavaleta's own goal. Um, he was in the right position, right place. The ball got shot and it hit him in the face and went into the back of the net. And, you know, um, there's nothing you're going to do about those. But the Galaxy also were, were sort of the recipient of that whenever Raheem Edwards got in the way of a Portland clearance and the ball went to directly to Douglas Costa, who's sitting at the top of the box, and he buried his shot. Um, you couldn't have asked anything more from Douglas Costa. I saw people saying they should they should have never took Costa out. It was like that dude is coming back from injury. I talked to Greg Vanny about it. I said, I imagine you had to take Costa out that, you know, he was coming back from injury. He's like, yeah, he goes, you know, he didn't have much left and we don't want him to get injured. We need him uh, down the stretch. And quite honestly, in, in Greg Vanny's defense, the Galaxy are winning the game at that time, right? The Galaxy are winning the game at that time and you need to pull Costa out in order to get him out and get him away from everything. The fact that the Galaxy were winning 3-2 at halftime, Kevin, was a bit of a minor miracle for me. Um, I, I don't think they played that well overall. In the balance of things, I don't think the Galaxy played that well. I think that uh, they got some lucky bounces. I think that they they put away some decent chances. Eric Zavaleta had the game of his freaking life, um, scoring two goals. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it, that wasn't a good game for the galaxy around, but the fact that they were winning that game at one point, the galaxy should have had enough in their tank to close that out. But it, I'll, I'll be honest. I thought they could have easily lost that game easily. lost well, that game. But I mean, if you want to look at positives and I know it's been a long time and they've had this great run, but it, it wasn't so long ago that the galaxy would have gone down without Ricky Pooj on the field in the seventh minute or whatever it was. And that would have been the end of the game. It, it, they just would have closed up shop. Instead, um, you know, the, the last 38 minutes of the half, they outscore them. You know, they take the lead going into the locker room at halftime um, against a team that's red hot and uh, a team that's fighting for a playoff berth, too. I, I, I thought for the most part, the result was bad. But I thought for the first 75 minutes, at least, the effort was was pretty incredible knowing how shorthanded they were. The effort you cannot, I, I, you can't question for this team the uh, the way that they've been able to come back. I mean, you can say anything you want. Like I'm saying they're out of bullets in the chamber and that's not a, a function of them giving up, right? That's a function of them being exhausted. I mean, this team, look at after the end of every game, watch these guys, they're laying on the ground. I mean, it's, it's, a hundred percent giving everything you have. These are wild and wacky games. I think that if you're going to watch the Seattle game, I think you expect it to be wild and wacky too. Um, that seems to be the case in MLS right now that everything is just sort of a little crazy. Uh, I'll say that I think Seattle has the best chance of sort of quieting everything down and, and sort of blocking out any noise and sort of making this a very workmanlike uh, win for them. Uh, but that being said, you know, the LA Galaxy are probably going to still have Costa in there. And if you saw what Costa was able to do, he's able to create enough against most teams to be dangerous. Um, well, you look at the Seattle game, there are so many factors there. First of all, the Galaxy giving up all these goals. As I said, they had to score three goals to get a draw. 
they're not going to score three goals against Stephen Fry. So they're going to have to do a little bit of defensively. They're playing on turf. Uh, Costa's hurt. It's a leg injury. He's going on turf. I don't know how much Billy Sharp has played on turf. I'm sure he's seen it before. I don't know how much he's played on it. Right. Um, an, an injured an, an injured team, a team that's hobbled already, going in to play on turf. Um, it's just it's that it's not where you want to be at this point. Uh, this is not a good look for the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It, it, the the bottom line is that in this game, at least the Portland game, right, and and you have a chance to win it, and that's what you're trying to do. Uh, going direct wasn't working. Trying to kick up over the top, and I thought that was a mistake they made earlier in the game. I thought Portland came in and and sort of had their way with them whenever they tried to play direct. The Galaxy don't have any speed demons that are able to sort of play under and indirect uh, in that direct fashion. Uh, Billy Sharp plays off of things. I mean. If you want to look at the passing chart for the LA Galaxy, you can see Billy Sharp sitting up there all by himself without the ball. I mean, the ball really didn't get passed to him. Uh, that being said, you know, the Galaxy shape was was actually probably okay. Douglas Costa cutting in a lot, as we expect him to all the time. Mark Delgado playing up higher on the field. That was something Greg Vanny talked about today uh, whenever he was talking to Damian Calhoun, that type of thing. So, um, you know, they still were able, I think they were able to be dangerous enough and unpredictable enough, Kevin, whenever Costa was in there. But whenever he came out, whenever Sharp came out, there was no more creativity on there and there was no outlets. And quite honestly, it wouldn't matter if there was an outlet because I don't think Jovalich was an outlet and I don't think Barrios was an outlet whenever he came on. It wouldn't have mattered because the LA Galaxy midfield couldn't hold the ball. Um, and that's what Alex Ruiz is telling you in that stat is the Galaxy couldn't hold the ball. You want to know why the Galaxy were bad on the second part of it? Because Portland was pressing the LA Galaxy for most of that game, right? Especially after the Galaxy were able to level it and then take the lead. Uh, it was Portland pressing, pressing, pressing. And the Galaxy did okay when Costa was out there and breaking pressure and doing that because they're used to having a relief valve, Kevin, right? Because we see Ricky Pouge. If you're in trouble, just pass the ball to Ricky and then watch him dance around people and get out of the way. Same thing with Douglas Costa. And I think he functioned in that same realm in this game was sort of the relief valve. Well, whenever they went off, whenever the, whenever Portland tried to pressure, whenever things were trying to do, it was either kick the ball long, which the Galaxy did a lot of in the second half, um, or it was try to break the pressure and try to pass through it. And they didn't have the creativity. They didn't have the understanding. And I thought Portland had the energy. Um, so, Greg Vanny was at a loss whenever I said what was up with the, you know, I, I didn't just say, hey, what was up with the subs, Greg? Uh, I, I asked about the subs and said, what, you know, what happened there whenever you bring in the subs? It seemed like there was nothing there. And he goes, I don't know. He goes, because the same group of guys basically came in and gave it their all and gave us all that energy against Austin. And now they come into this game against Portland and we don't get that. And he goes, I don't know what the difference is. And he hinted at it. And I think he caught, I think if he, you asked him today what the difference was, he would understand it. But against Austin, it was about coming back and trying to score a goal and trying to save a season. And it's all or nothing. You don't have to worry about things. And you're the person applying the pressure. In this case, uh, whenever they came in, they were winning. The Galaxy were winning. They didn't know how to play with that. And Portland had the aggressiveness. And Portland had the pressure. Well, talking about Seattle again, they've given up 31 goals. Only Nashville has given up fewer goals. But they've, they're 6-4-5 and five at home which is very unsounder-like. They generally use that home field advantage uh, to their uh, to their benefit. But when you talk about Sharp, do you think – I thought Portland had a pretty good game plan. Yes, they gave up three goals. One of them, as you mentioned, was sort of a lucky goal with a, with a bounce. Two of them, Eric Zavaleta scored. I think that Portland went into that game saying, hey, if Eric Zavaleta scores two goals, um, that's nothing we can game plan it for. But it, it was the disconnect with Sharp, do you think it was more Portland took him out of the game or do you think, again, missing that relief valve, no Ricky Pooch in there, 
Do you think that was why Sharp wound up on an island on his own? I think Sharp wasn't on an island on his own. I think he I think that 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 graphic shows that like he was disconnected in terms of the passing. But I thought he was dangerous in the areas that he was. He was at least creating sort of those chances and was being there and was being dangerous and was drawing attention. And um, the galaxy, Maya Yoshida afterwards uh, talked to us and said, you know, the reason Eric Zavaleta scored two goals is they've been working really hard on set pieces. And Maya said, you know, we created that space for him. Um, so for me, again, there's two big sort of things that, that clicked in this in this game for me, which was one, the galaxy ran out of those horses and those horses were, you know, uh, were, were Douglas Costa and Billy Sharp. When Billy Sharp came off, that was, again, the the end sort of of the galaxy's ability to sort of create any type of offensive, uh, you know, pressure or threat. And, uh, you know. Ultimately, Billy Sharp shouldn't be your starter, Kevin. You know, you should have somebody else and you should be able to bring him in and he should be the sub that comes on and really can add that danger to it. But again, the subs are starters right now because of all the injuries. So um, I do think Portland played well. I think Portland and and I think Greg Vanny afterwards tipped his hat a little bit to him and said, you know, sometimes we have to just say that some guys played, played against us really well. I think in that last 15 minutes, Portland had the Galaxy's number. They were able to trap inside. They made the Galaxy not be able to play through. Uh, simply cooking the ball upfield wouldn't have done anything either. Um, you don't like turnovers, but the Galaxy, uh, you know, that's sort of where they've lived is that midfield turnover and allowing the ball to come back quickly at them and then having to go into emergency defending. That Portland's last goal was lucky. Uh, you know, that deflects off and squeaks behind Maya Yoshida and Yoshida can't beat the guy to it. That's not bad defense. That's just unlucky. There's nothing you can do. The bad defense part came from where the Galaxy lost the ball in that play ahead of that is what happened before that because you, there's there's nothing. So two goals that uh, Portland scored, I would say there, was, there wasn't a lot you could have done outside of not created the turnover or stop the run, you know, sort of before it, it got to the dangerous part of everything there. Um, well, there was one officiating call that was missed that made have made a difference too. On again on Zavaleta, right? It was uh, for me. It was, uh, and I talked to. It was funny because Scott French and I had a, had a question. We were sort of like, do we do we even ask about that? We were joking about uh, pool reporter questions. Um, another sign that I'm a reporter, Kevin. I'm a pool reporter as well. Um, so we were. Asked, so you do you, you do swimming? Yeah, that's water it. polo. Yeah, water. <laughs> that's it. Synchronized. Um, so we were, we were talking about it, but there was a play in the second half. Eric Zavaleta came out of the locker room and he came and talked to us uh, after the game and said, I knew that the, that Portland was going to mark me differently. You can't score two goals and then be like, oh yeah, uh, you know, they're going to leave you alone. Bottom line is on set pieces, the LA galaxy were very dangerous, right? And Costa was part of that. Fagundes put in some good balls as well. Zavaleta was, was the target for those and they didn't really have anybody to match up and they couldn't handle it with Yoshida and Zavaleta. It was a place to exploit. So uh, you had uh, you had Dickerson, who was the referee, uh, and before the corner got taken in the second half, it was, and the Galaxy were winning at the time, by the way, um, but before that got taken, uh, D Dickerson blew the whistle and, and, and blot over uh, and pulled over both players and was like, you guys got to stop grabbing. And Zavaleta's like, I'm not touching anybody. And you could see that Zavaleta's arms were up. So really, this was a warning to the Portland player. And apparently, Zavaleta said he had been warned before about that. Right. And so what you saw was basically a bear hug. Now, is it a bear hug? Because was he actually hugging him? No. But were his arms touching him on either side of his body? Zavaleta said, I was not free to move any way that I wanted. And for the most part, you can't impede the run or impede the action of the player 
when he's trying to go for the ball or when he's trying to move. That would be considered a penalty kick. So Dickerson stared there as Zavaleta was wrapped up for a good 30 seconds as the as the kick is about to be taken for the corner. And I was sitting there going, as soon as this ball gets put in, he's going to call a penalty kick because he's already worn the Portland player twice. This is now the time whenever you, you do it. And then there was no call. It's easily a penalty kick. In fact, you have to be almost stupid not to call it. Because you've already warned everybody. You can't say that he wasn't impeding Zavaleta. Zavaleta shook his head afterwards and said, I'm not going to be one who makes excuses about this stuff. But yeah, for me, that's absolutely a penalty. He goes, well, what you said, what, what Zavaleta said to you afterwards, um, I've heard from a lot of other players, the, the idea of, look, you get warned once and, and then and then you do it again. Right. That's that. That's when the referee is basically Third saying, time. look, I, I've seen you. The third time, and I, Zavaleta's right. After two warnings, you almost always get some sort of card or penalty or whatever, depending on the situation. You get a couple of warnings to get away with it. And I've heard that not just from Zavaleta. Megan Rapinoe's told me the same stories. Abby Wambach in the past has told me stories about in games where <clears throat> the idea is if you're if you're engaged in engagementship, you try to get your opponent warned a couple of times because then they're on thin ice. Um, it's, it's totally, uh, I think expected a couple of warnings, a third time you're gone or you're, you're right. carded or whatever it is. Right. Something should have happened on the third time for him to just let it go and say, play on Z Xavier. Um, why, why give the warnings? Why give the warnings? That, that's the whole point is why give the warnings that, and was he warning him for nothing then? If he could do the same thing over and over again, then there was clearly no warning needed. You didn't even need to warn him. Well, that's like you tell your kid, don't do that. And then he does it again. Don't do that. And yeah. he does it again. And he keeps doing it. Yeah. He knows you're not going to do anything. Exactly. Same thing with this Portland player. Uh, Xavier in the chat says, then Zavaleta needs to go down. Scott French said, wouldn't you go down in that case? And he goes, I, and Zavaleta said, I don't like to cheat the game. He goes, I thought, he goes, if I would have thought that there was enough contact for me to go down, I would have, but you don't need to fall down. This is a false thing. We need to get rid of this. This is why referees get, get crap for this. Right. We we blame players for diving and then we don't give them a call when they stay on their feet. Right. This happens to Messi a lot, quite honestly, is he'll get fouled and he'll stay up and they won't even call advantage. They won't, there's nothing. There's no penalty for it. Right. There's nothing you, you can get. You can get a card for embellishment. You if can. The referee believes that you're embellishing. Exactly. So so there's and there's there's nothing in that that Zavaleta, Zavaleta needed to do. All you had to do is watch the play. It was clearly a foul. And then you sit there and say, why doesn't VAR look at it? Right. And is VAR going to intervene in that case when Joseph when Joe, Joseph Dickerson was staring at the play, Kevin? It's not like they could say, hey, hey, Joe, we thought you didn't see it. He just warned him. He was the. Dickerson was staring at Zavaleta and I was it Mascara. I think it might've been Mascara, but he was staring at those, those two players, the entire play. I was watching the whole thing. So you can't sit there and say VAR could show him a different view of that, that he didn't see. And that's why VAR would never intervene with that. He may have even come on the radio and said, Hey, did you want to look at that at all? And he was like, Nope, I saw the whole thing. It was fine. I was looking right at it. Yeah. I was looking right at it the whole time. Right. So, um, that's the thing. I don't blame Zavaleta. Zavaleta had an okay game. Okay. Yoshida had an okay game. I thought Edwards was getting skinned on the outside. Absolutely just blown by um, for most of that game. Uh, having said that, he still ended up having a fairly good, you know, in terms of stats, like a fairly good day. But, um, you know, I thought Espria was eating his lunch. For the entire first half, Aspria turned the corner on Edwards three or four times in that first half. You want to talk about where a defensive problem sort of showed itself? It was Edwards. He was getting caught too high whenever he was defending somebody who was speedy on the corner, and Aspria took him to the corner two or three times. Um, and you could see that whenever you sort of watch the goals happen in there as well. So 
Uh, for me, that was a problem. I thought Cuevas was okay, but like more anonymous than anything else. So I think that's probably okay in terms of a defender. But like you want to talk about the defense and things that went bad. Yeah, there were things that went bad. Did the Galaxy get put in emergency defending mode way too many times? Yes, they did. So you look at that and, and I uh, I forget, somebody brought it up on Twitter during the game. They're like, you know, ever since Brugman got hurt, the LA Galaxy have been up, giving up more goals. That is probably 100% true. Uh, looking at where Brugman is and sort of where he and how he patrols things and what that allows Delgado to do. Delgado has to play higher up the field. We talked about it, right, Kevin? So he's playing higher up the field. What is he not doing when he's playing higher up the field? He's not defending as much, right? And that defending through the center, we even talked about that on the show, was Delgado getting in there with Cerillo at some times and having sort of that dual sixes in there so that way they could stop a lot of attacks that were breaking through the middle. There was a lot of that, and that has gone away. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it was, it was one of those that, uh, that for me, uh, the game was probably both frustrating, um, and elated. Remember the galaxy gave up the first goal, Kevin, after five minutes, I think was, was the first goal, right? So, um, after five minutes, they're losing one, nothing the fact that they were winning three, two at halftime, the fact that they're winning three, two into the second half, it was a pretty big accomplishment for a team that didn't have Ricky Pouge. Um, but well, again, and you talked to. Yeah, you talked about the difference with the, without Bergman through the first, I don't remember when he exactly got hurt, but through the first 26 games, they were giving up about 1.5, 1.6 goals a game. As we just talked about, you know, 13 goals in the last four games, 3.25 goals. It's almost double. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the season when, again, now they're going into a place where they're not going to, you know, goals are going to be at a premium in Seattle. They're giving up three and a half, three and a quarter goals a game. That's not going to get it done. Yeah. If you watched any of the Seattle-Nashville game, that was just a little, uh, that was Seattle getting very unlucky not to have beat Nashville in Nashville. Um, because Nashville was reeling for most of that game, I would uh, I would I would press on that. So um, the the Portland game overall though is is uh, is an interesting one for me. One here, hold on. I actually made a list of people that I wanted to shout out about the game because I got to say say hi to people and it was a lot of fun. All right, so Drew from Santa Clarita, he's like he's right up next to you. I said, oh, you're from Northern yeah, he's California. Right here. He's yeah, sitting right here. Yeah, so Drew is a podcast listener. Uh, he he caught me in line whenever I was waiting for pupusas. Um, and so we got to say hi. So hi, Drew. Shout out to Drew, who was, who was there. I'm trying to make sure I actually write these things down whenever I get people's names. So that way I can be a be a, a good podcast host, you know, not just a soccer reporter. I thought you were a reporter. Uh-huh. It's like I can wear two hats at the same time. Can I can right. I walk and chew gum at the same time, too? I don't know. Probably we'll, not. Probably, probably not. Uh, shout out to Steve over at AFJA as well, because the pupusas were amazing and I haven't had them for a while. I had to wait in line for them. And that's OK. I didn't mind. Um, but Steve is awesome. And those guys did. I have this is a good shout out. This next one is a shout out. Who guess who was in the press box saying hi to everybody before the game? Our new president. Yep. New president. Mr. Tom Braun was in there. Um, you know, like I said, shaking hands, kissing babies, not shaking babies, kissing hands. That's that's a different that's a different thing. There was a baby in the press box. There was not. Well, Scott was oh. there. Never mind. Um, so, so, but Tom was there and Tom came by, said, uh, wanted to say that he, he really enjoyed the, uh, the Will Misselbrook, uh, interview. And so it was nice to hear that Tom was at least briefed on it. We don't know if he listens. Uh, Kevin Acevedo is probably writing notes right now. Have Tom send Josh a note. No, Tom was great. We had a nice little conversation, but Tom went through and talked to, talked to the reporters, said hi, you know, 
the thing that pe- that this is supposed to happen all the time is that you're supposed to be out in front of the reporters. You say hi, you shake hands, you ask how their weekend was, you develop a rapport. This is like this is <laughs> this is what is it? Executive 101, you know, uh, management by walking around, right? So go around and see the guys who are going to be calling for your head eventually, right? That's Will how Kuntz is always in the press box too. Will says hi, right? By, by the way, I was totally impressed by your <clears throat> getting in the pupusa line. You are a true man of the people. I, I hey. I, I got there late. So what are you going to do? Was I, and then I saw what that was in the press box. And I'm like, no, no, no. Pupusas today. Pupusas today. So, and I hadn't had them for a while. So it was great. So Steve didn't. Um, but no, it was great to see all these people there. Having said that, 23,101 people, Kevin, on a Saturday night. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people for a team that's in 13th place. Um, I know on Thursday we talked a little bit about uh, Will Misselbrook and sort of the change in the advertising or the the emotion that is sort of being pulled into these games a little bit. Um, you know, you have your chief revenue officer who's out there uh, who's trying to get the that stadium full. And Tom Braun, whenever he was on our show, he said, my goal is to make sure those seats are full, right? That's my goal. As the business guy, I want people in, in the stadium to be able to experience the LA Galaxy. Having seen 23,101 people, at, which I thought was a... You know, Kevin, those numbers are never correct, right? So, but right. whenever, but whenever tickets distributed, <laughs> right, right, tickets distributed. But having said that, people on the berm, people in the stands, the stadium was loud, it was bumping, there was a lot of energy in it. It was a really fun game to go to um, and sort of see that stuff. So, um, let's see, I'm going through my other notes. A uh, Galaxy unbeaten at home is at eight games now, dating back to June 21st. Uh, having said that, four wins, four draws during those eight games, right? So, uh, not the not the best, not the worst, but unbeaten um, at home uh, for the last eight games. Uh, and then we talked about this with the Galaxy have lost just twice since May 31st. Uh, they're six, two and eight. But having said that, so they're six, two and eight. They've lost just that's a league low two games since that time period, that May 31st. Kevin, how many points did they get out of those 16 games? If you were going to guess. Because I, I didn't tee you up for this. So you just have to get. They played 16 games. How many points did they earn? Well, you said they won six, right? Yeah, but don't do the math. Just just oh. guess. They, they played 16 games. How many points do you think they got out of 16 games? 28? 28. 17. So that's, <laughs> that's the difference. So we've talked about this. We've sort of said, okay, listen, it's really great. They've been doing x but what are the results of this it's the same thing still in 13th isn't a negative connotation it was they were so bad and they haven't been that great even though they have one of the best records in major league soccer over the time period right they haven't been that great yeah you said six two and eight right uh yes so that means in 10 of the 16 games they dropped points yeah yeah. Yes. But so that's that's the that's the definition of one step forward and two steps back. It is. It is. Absolutely. But most MLS is that way right now. So, again, you can't really sit there and say, oh, well, the LA Galaxy. listen, the LA Galaxy haven't moved, um, but they haven't been eliminated from the playoffs because MLS is at this point, which is two steps forward, two steps back, you know, or one step forward, two steps back. You're, you're right. What, you're correct. Who's the best? Who's the best team in, in the Western Conference? St. Louis. I mean, 10 losses. They've lost 10 games. Yeah. How dare they? That's 30 points they dropped. They've lost a third, almost a third of their game. Second is Salt Lake. They're at eleven losses. That's, but that's what I'm saying is that. So well, now I know let's, I'm, let's, I'm trying to I'm trying to help you make your point. <laughs> no, as ham-handed as it is, I'm trying to help you. You know, um, and it, it, it's. I, I I think we're used to having seen teams like LAFC last year. You know, in a couple of years ago with all those points and Cincinnati. Philadelphia and Cincinnati uh, is, is Cincinnati this year with mm-hmm. with Pat Noonan as their coach. 
it, it, as we, you and I were talking about before, and we have different takes on this, mediocrity really reigns. I mean, Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. Minnesota in the playoff race. They have been so good at home throughout their short MLS career. They're three, four, and nine at home this year on that brand new stadium with that um, uh, horrible turf and with the fans there. They're three, four, nine. That is the uh, they're they're even worse, I think, than Colorado at home this year. Um, That's bad, and and that used to be their fortress. And again, it's it's like. It's mediocrity sort right. of reigns. Um, St. Louis may be, may be the only team in the Western Conference that finishes with more than 50 points. Yes, absolutely. And whenever you compare it to the Eastern Conference, right, with Cincinnati having 65 Five, points. five teams with 50 points. Yeah, exactly. There. Columbus no. in fifth with 50 points. Atlanta in sixth with 49. They're, you know, it's, it's night and day. And the difference isn't that uh, we agree on this, I think, 100%. The difference isn't the Eastern Conference teams are better. They're not. The difference is the Western Conference is a m- more difficult conference and teams beat each other up. You, you know, with the exception of Colorado, um, Col- anybody. Colorado and St. Louis. Colorado and St. Louis are sort of the ones that you can sort of say, okay, put them at opposite ends of things, right? You can you can sort of say, hey, St. Louis played, and listen, St. Louis hasn't even been that good like down the stretch, Kevin. Like most of the teams up top, except for RSL now in second place, who just beat LAFC, there hasn't been a team that's really caught fire near the top towards the end of this. St. Louis has backed into this a lot. The Galaxy tied them twice this year. Best team in the conference, and, the, and they couldn't beat the LA Galaxy who were in 13th. Right. It was it's it's those that that you sit there. Bottom line, Western Conference, anybody can beat anybody. And if you want to say that, you know, the playoffs have too many teams, which you I do, which you do, which I do. Fine. Understood. And I agree with that. Right. I can say that nine teams. And by the way, I think maybe some clarification goes that nine and eight aren't in the playoffs. They get a chance to be in the playoffs. Right. Nine and eight is the play in game. It's like the play in game before March Madness, even though they're going to tell each other they were in the tournament. If you lose, you don't actually get to go to the tournament. Same thing. They're all going to print up T-shirts that said 2023 MLS MLS playoffs. Oh, they're going to talk about how the playoffs. They will 100 percent have like, oh, well, we made the playoffs last year. That's what they're going to say. Nine and eight are going to say that. And the team that loses will say MLS playoffs tonight. Right. Exactly. The whole deal. But the bottom line is nine and eight aren't in the playoffs. They're getting there for a chance to play off. So really, you're talking about the top seven teams. And you said six is the line that you want to draw whenever we were talking beforehand. Right. Well, yeah, here's my thing. I just don't think mediocrity should be rewarded. And, and it runs rampant this year. I get it. But why play a regular season if you're only only going to eliminate a small percentage of the teams? Why not just, you know, in this case, it remarkably, and this is what MLS wanted, and so congratulations to them, 27 of the 29 teams are still not just mathematically, realistically. I mean, we're talking about the Galaxy being in the playoff hunt, and we can do all these scenarios where they get in there. They're 13th. They're, bot- they're yes. penultimate place, yes. and they're in the playoff hunt. <clears throat> Over in the other conference, it's same thing. 14 teams are in the playoff race. Charlotte Charlotte has seven wins this year, and they're 14th, and they're in the, they have a realistic shot. They're only four uh, points out of a playoff berth with four games to go. Um, I, I just don't like the idea of re- rewarding mediocrity and having teams losing records in the playoffs. I think the regular season should mean something. This reminds me of the NHL or even the NBA where the vast majority of teams are going to go through and it's like a 34-game warm-up. These are two different tournaments, and we're, I, I am going to talk a little bit about what Pat Noonan said, and I know you take objection to it, but there are two different tournaments. There right. is the regular season, and it's 34 games. You have to be good at the beginning of the year. At the end of the year, you have to weather injuries. You have to play through heat and cold. You have to play when you have three games in a week. You have to play in August when maybe mm-hmm. because of League's Cup, you don't have any games in the right. case of the Galaxy. That it proves which team is the best. 
that's the tournament that gets a supporter shield. Then the MLS Cup, it's it's a playoff tournament. It's a second season, and I think most teams and most coaches look at it that way. Pat Noonan, who is the coach at FC Cincinnati, totally turned that team around. A lot of Galaxy pedigree in there with Pat Noonan, played and coached here. Um, uh, Kenny Dom- Arena. Dominic Kinnear. Dominic Kinnear. Um, it, it's, it's a deep. Uh, Galaxy pedigree there. They came in, took over losing team last year, a, a team historically losing team, got it to the playoffs. This year they went supporter shield. Pat Noonan said, look, as far as I'm concerned, and I've heard this from other players too, noticeably players that had just won the supporter there, shield. There was. They, they say the supporter shield is that that's the one that really means something to playoffs. Uh, it's the luck of the draw. Um, you know, a lucky bounce and you get in. Remember several years ago when Portland lost on that penalty kick sh- or won that penalty kick shootout, the ball that bounced from one goalpost to the other should have gone in and didn't. And then uh, they went on to, to win the championship. So um, the MLS Cup playoff, it, it is kind of a crapshoot. But going back to what you were talking about, I would I would you were saying, look, so many teams are still in. it. If you draw the line at six, um, it, it's over in the east. Uh, we know who's in. If you draw the line at six in the west. There's still one, two, three, four, five, six teams that would still be in it. It would still be exciting, but I just don't think you would then you wouldn't be rewarding mediocrity teams with losing records. The Galaxy, Austin, Minnesota, they're all still in it. They're all probably gonna finish with losing records. And 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 I I your argument is that you think that there's gonna be bad teams that make the playoffs. And my argument is that any team who's second all the way down to, you know, what, 13th right now for the LA Galaxy, um, you know, 13th or second to 10th right now are basically all the same team. So so you have ones that have, have a couple more wins than the other guys, but they're all within 10 points of each other, right? So they're all the same team in the Western Conference right now. So this year, if you only had six, that's fine. There would be some teams that wouldn't make it. And the Galaxy, by the way, would still be in it, as you've talked about, would still be close, right? You could... Mathematically, you could still get there, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, it's 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 too much. But having said that, MLS is getting what it wants, which is we're talking about the playoffs and the LA Galaxy still being in it, and the chance that the Galaxy could then make the playoffs and win MLS Cup. Is that likely? No, this this is this is MLS wet dream right here. This is exactly <laughs> what they wanted. Twenty seven. I mean, Chicago, the Chicago Fire. They have a chance to make the playoffs. So does Charlotte. Um, those fan bases are going incredible. If they get into that playoff game, they're all buying the playoff T-shirt. They're going to have a parade. Um, by the way, did you see the parade in Cincinnati when they came home with the uh, Supporter Shield? No. It was crazy. Was it Cincinnati nice? has just really adopted this I, team. I, I love Pat Noonan, but that's such BS. I'm so tired of hearing about the Supporter Shield being this tournament when we, you know, I, we argued about this. This is why the show started two minutes late. We were still arguing about it whenever it happened. It's such BS. Play everybody and then have that be a tournament. Uh, or just give trophies out for no reason. Because, yeah, Cincinnati weathered their schedule, which is great. Did they have to play, you know, the L.A. Galaxy twice? Did they have to play LAFC twice? Did they have to play Seattle twice? Did they have to who you're not having balanced schedules in this? So then you just make it up. It's like, okay, cool. Here it is. You know why? You know why the NFL doesn't have a trophy for the regular season, Kevin? Because they know it's a non-balanced. It's not a balanced schedule. They know that some teams have more difficult schedules than other people. So what do they do? In order to make that a thing at the end of the year, they put everybody who has made it. And th- by the way, you get rewarded for being good, right? You get number one seeds, number two seeds, you get buys, you get all these things. You get rewarded for being good, but you have a tournament at the end because they're like that regular season. That is not the test of who is the best team. Although I would argue that if you are a supporter shield over 34, you're a very good team. Are you the best well, team? We'll prove it. 
Show me. I, I, win the Supporter Shield, win MLS Cup, Cincinnati. And well, and, and LAFC did that last year. We'll see what happens going into the playoffs. But just for right now, just talking about the regular season and, and the unbalanced schedule, that was something Bruce used to complain about all the time, and he's mm-hmm. right. Um, but when you look at the records right now, Cincinnati is 19-4-8. and eight. Um, You know, they're way ahead of everybody. They're 13-1-1 and one at yep. home. I think they are the best team. Now, do they win the MLS Cup? That's another problem because a lot of times it's teams that get that get hot at the end of the season. They yep. get rewarded. Um, you think about, you know, in June, right, Jim Curtin said LAFC is the best team in MLS history. They've just shut out five of their last six games yep. in all competition. They haven't scored in their last four games. Yep. What happened to the best team of all time? Yeah. It's a long season. Now, they could get hot again, and they could surprise everybody, and Cincinnati could could limp to the finish line because they've been so good for 34 games. Right. It, it, it's almost like you have to decide which one do you want to win. No, that's not true. You can win both. LAFC proved it. The LA Galaxy proved it. This, this You can do it. By the way, the best teams win both. Right. You want to talk about the the no. There's no doubt about it. You know, the best teams that season, they won the supporter shield and then they went and won MLS Cup playoffs. Those are the best teams outside of that. Let me know whenever ESPN covers the supporter shield in the same way that it will cover, you know, MLS Cup or something else like that. That's the whole deal. Tell fans that the supporter shield means more. The only fans that talk about the supporter shield are the ones that don't win MLS Cup. But there, there is a thing to be said, and Greg talks about this too, that, that in his mind, the, the season really starts, unless you're an MLS, right. unless you're a Supporter Shield team, which he had one in Toronto. He won Supporter Shield. But unless you're one of those teams that, that are going to run away with things, the season really starts for him with 10 games to go because you build up momentum into the playoffs. And if you buy that argument, I like Portland. They're playing really well right now under their Houston, new coach. Houston, they, too. Houston is really well. And then you look at New England. Yes, New mm-hmm. England's unbeaten at home, 11 0 4. But with all the stuff they've had going on with the coaching changes and all the turmoil there, I think they're a dysfunctional team right now. If they play every game at home, maybe they can sneak in. Right. But uh, right now, and St. Louis, St. Louis, I think, has drawn three of their last four games. Yep. Yeah, they're a really good team, but they're starting to lose that momentum a little bit. Yep. I think if they match up with Portland, I, I got to like Portland in that. Uh, by the way, Lasso's optimism gave a super chat way back. Wait, super chat way back. Uh, I've been been keep coming back to it. Uh, he says LA Galaxy still in the hunt, but this dog don't hunt without Ricky away at Seattle. Uh oh, is there a Nathan Shelley in the house? See, there's there's a lot to take in and just that. No, he's he. There's a lot of problems. The alarm bells should be ringing, right? You you can believe all you want, Kevin. Um, but eventually, believe comes down at the end of the season to you not beating Manchester City in in the season's finale. That's that's basically what I'm saying. Manchester City never loses. I don't don't even bring that in here. That's uh, <laughs> uh, Tim. By the way, gave us a two dollars super chat. Hey Josh, do you think Doug? Of course, everybody knows uh, Michael Araujo today got a tweet, and they're like, "Hey uh, Josh, can you get Michael Araujo to say Doug Costa whenever he scores goals instead of Douglas Costa? Because you know we changed his name. And we changed his name, and Mike texted me, and he's like, "What am I missing?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's an inside joke we have. We changed Douglas's name. Douglas Costa is the guy who didn't perform very well." Um, at the beginning of the season and got hurt all the time and didn't play and didn't score goals and didn't seem like he wanted to be here. And then this Doug Costa guy showed up and now Doug is 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 the man. Uh, Michael Rojo's Rojo got two more games to do that. I think he should. That's that would right. be awesome. That's right. No, um, no. He's, he's ask, ask Will. Ask your buddy Will. If be okay. <laughs> That's not happening. My, our inside joke to like 400 people is not the same as Michael Rojo announcing it to 23,000 people. Um, no, I thought we were MLS podcast of the... Of the century? Of I don't know. History, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, somebody did recently ask, what is the longest MLS like team specific podcast? 
and I know who I know the answers to these questions. I actually know who's first and who's second. That's uh, because you're a reporter. That's because I'm a reporter. And also uh, the first person in the longest running team specific podcast is Corner of the Galaxy. It started in 2009. Really? Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, the second is, I believe, uh, Mark Fishkin over at Seeing Red. Um, and as far as my money is concerned, uh, while I think we are number one, and I will continue to believe that, I think uh, anybody who would be doing the show for this long better think that they're number one. Otherwise, why do it? Uh, I think Mark is a very close number two, and I love Mark Mark to death over at uh, Red Bull. So he's he's great. You know what surprised me about that is yeah. the league's been around 29 years, and you didn't start till 2009, so it's yeah. 15 years, but... I guess there really weren't podcasts before then, right? The, so we, I mean, we've you were probably one of the first people to do a podcast on soccer. We were talking about, we came in at the very first front wave of like, uh, of the podcast whenever that started. So it was um, around the league was the, the overall reaching. There was a person for every team and they would go through and they would basically, it was like a whip around show. So that way you could hear what every team had to say. And they had a fan who was a correspondent for everything. And that's where we got started. That's how corner of the galaxy got started. Cause I was one of those people, Jared Dubois, who was our original co-host was one of those people. And so then we were asked to put together a team specific po- podcast, um, by, uh, Kim McCauley. Uh, she asked us to do it because she was putting together the North American soccer network that we were, uh, that we were a part of at the very beginning. And so she wanted these individual ones. So without her asking, Corner of the Galaxy probably doesn't come about, um, so that that's why that's why we are. But there was see, there was a difference a, between yeah. Go ahead. It's a difference between you and I. You jumped on this pod wave and and the tech wave right at the start, and you were all in. Yep. And I'm still waiting for this whole internet thing to blow over. It's just yeah, a fad. It's just a fad. Well, we've talked going back to the typewriters. We've talked about this many times. There was an LA Galaxy podcast before us, and that was Dave Denholm had one whenever he was at 710 ESPN. Uh, what happened Los to Angeles. him? I, he's the play-by-play announcer for the radio for LAFC. What? For another team? Yeah, the, can you believe it? He used to, by the way, when he would co-host on this podcast, because there are Dave Denholm co-host podcasts, uh, he would say, my LA Galaxy. He would always talk about his LA Galaxy. So. Yeah, because now when he does LAFC, it sure seems like he has had a change of heart. Well, yeah. Well, if you're going to pay somebody to do something that, like to watch soccer, I, you know, that was Tom Braun came up and he said, everybody doing okay? I'm like, we get to watch free soccer. How is this not okay? Like, I get to sit here. I get to watch soccer. I don't have to pay. You guys give me food, right? And I get to do all this. How is that not okay? It's like the best gig in the world. I love it. Uh, by the way, going back to Tim, $2 Super Chat. Hey, Josh, do you think Doug would come back as a TAM player? Kevin, your answer, would Douglas Costa come back as a TAM player? No. That is the correct answer. No. Douglas Costa is still a name worldwide. He will want to go somewhere where they will pay him money. The LA Galaxy won't want to pay him money because he is an unknown quantity. I don't think Doug comes back as much as I will salute him and tell you what a turnaround he's had in this season. I will be a fan of his whenever he leaves the LA Galaxy, just in terms of I got to watch that guy play. He really is one of those sort of world-class players that can play, that does different things that you don't see people do all the time. Ricky Pooja is one of those guys. It's like the guys you cheer for after they leave the team because you do it. I will, having said that, his time with the LA Galaxy, largely a disaster, but there's zero chance he takes under $1.7 million a year. Well, there is a, a very slight difference between Doug and Douglas. In fact, there's three letters. LAS mm-hmm. separates the two. But in a larger sense, um, I thought I thought for the most part of his time here, Douglas has been a selfish player. And I think he's looked up for number one. And I think he's tried to, to do his own thing on the field a lot. Now, Doug is making a contribution to the team. But I think now with four games to go, I think there is going to be this Dr. Hyde, Mr. Jekyll thing with Doug and Douglas in that Doug – 
wants to win because he knows it's going to help him. But Douglas wants to protect his health because he knows that he, if he gets injured, he can't sign another contract. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially going into the game on turf and then the Minnesota game on the terrible field. Do we get Doug trying to win the game and going all out like he did this weekend? Or do we get Douglas who says, you know what? I'm worth $1.7 million, as you said. Anyways, I'm going to protect myself and make sure I don't get hurt. Yeah. It, it's an interesting thing. If he scores five or six goals down the stretch and gets to the Galaxy in the playoffs, guess what? Guess what? A lot of teams want him. If he doesn't do that, teams will still want him, just not as many and not for as much money. That being said, I don't want it to just pin it as, oh, well, the reason he's performing now is because he knows he has to have a contract. In my mind, and having talked to him and seeing how he interacts with players and everything that is going on on the field, Douglas Costa 100% is bought into this team's success. He wants the team to win. Um, he's not just there for the paycheck. I know people will say that, but there's been too many times he could have folded this in that he could have said, no, I'm good. The guy comes back from injury, plays a little over 60 minutes uh, and has a goal and two assists. Uh, not to mention this he played a, some defense. He's he is playing well. This is a real opportunity for him in his last four games, you know, to step up. Even if he doesn't get him across the finish line, if he gets them close and he's the guy, knowing that Ricky Pooge is out and that, you know, Billy Sharp is still getting to learn the league and those kind of things, if he steps up, right. um it, it it could kind of really change his short term future. Uh okay, let's get to this. I want to shout out for Penguin Hunter, by the way, uh in the chat room. Kevin, I'm this is from Penguin Hunter. I'm on a train. In rural Japan, listening to you, Josh. There you go. Wow, that's that's dedication right there. In Japan, listening to us right now on a train. Origato. Very good. Uh, what did I just say? I don't I'm know. Sure. I don't know what you. I don't. Know. I don't, don't it do sounded it. Japanese to me. Can, let's let's. I I was talking to Alex Ruiz about this because Mayo Yoshida came in and talked to us after the game, and. <laughs> I think it's our job, and I told Alex this. I said, it's your job because Maya left, and Alex and I looked at each other. He was sitting next to me, and I said, that's a special guy right there. I go, as far as I can tell, that's a special guy. He goes, when he walks in the room, you can just tell the amount of respect that he gets, but it's just this, it's this calm presence. It's this, I've been here before, this veteran, but he absolutely 100% bleeds for this team, and I think it's our job as reporters to to tell you about that because you may, it may not come across as on video. I asked him and I thought I've, I, I don't think it's a great question, but I just, I just, his reaction. I don't know. It shook me a little bit just in, in what he said. I said, you know, you, Maya, we, he was talking about the defense and the whole thing. He goes, you know, this is not a time for us to pick each other apart. This is time for us to be together. He goes, yes, we have things we need to work on, but we need to be together as a team more or less. Right. So he was, he was very much in on that. Very, that's boilerplate, not a problem, but he he means it, which is one thing, so you can tell. And then the other thing I said, Maya, I go, you know, it looked like you had a chance to score twice on that one play in the second half. And he just looked down and shook his head and he was like, he was like, yes, I should have scored. I needed to score. I didn't score. I should have scored. Like he was beating himself up about this. Maya Yoshida is one of those special guys, Kevin. There's some guys who are just football players and you know it, and they just it just comes off them. Gaston Brugman, by the way, whenever you stand next to him or you're around him, that dude's a football player. Like you stand next to him and you're like, oh, he plays soccer. They're like, duh. You know, that type of thing. And just the way he that he acts and holds himself and presents himself, you know that he's, you know, this this professional soccer player. Maya Yoshida may have and may get the most respect on this team out of any player. He was wearing the armband. He was. He's only been here a month. He said He's, he, he clarified it. He said, you know, if it wasn't for all the players who were hurt, I would never get a chance to do it. But obviously, it's a tremendous honor when you look at the people who've worn the armband before me. Um, and so uh, he knows what it means. This is not, again, 
maybe he's blown smoke, Kevin. Maybe some of these guys, they, they just say all the right things and you just buy into it and you just eat it up. Mayu Yoshida is a, a true warrior in the sense that he wants to compete. He wants to lead. He knows he can do it. And I think he's an excellent addition to this LA Galaxy team. And I think he'll be back next year in terms of like having him on the team again. Yes, he's older, right? But this this seems like this was, you know, purposely went out to get him for this reason. He's checking all the boxes off. Mayu Yoshida well, he, is amazing. I think he has an option, right? It's not a two-year deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, there, there is some work to be done on that back line. Um, yeah. I think it, I think it comes down to Yoshida and Casares, and I don't think Casares comes back. I don't think Casares um, was coming back after the season anyway. So I. So I, I, th- I think that's where Yoshida yeah. goes. We don't know what's going to happen with Mavinga. We Jalen Neal is going to be in there for sure. Uh, I would guess Zavaleta comes back. He really doesn't have many other places to go. And also, he costs no money. So that's the other that, part. Yes. He didn't allow me to finish. Yes. And also, he's on this goal-scoring binge. He yeah. just scored for El Salvador, <laughs> and then he's got the, the the hat trick here. His first MLS goal in six years. Uh, the last time he says he scored two goals was in college. Greg Vanny agreed. Probably the last time he scored two goals was in college. Uh, he did want to point out that that was his last last MLS goal was six years ago. I think it was 2017. Um, and he said, uh, he said, but I've done it. I've done it a lot, uh, for El Salvador. Right. And he actually talked about El Salvador too. If you're interested in that, you can watch some of that post game. Um, that's the things. Mom- What's the national food of El Salvador? Pupusas. See how it all comes it, together. It full all circle. Comes, circles. Yeah. So round and so round, when, up and down. Yes. When Zavalada scored his last goal in 2017, was he also playing for Greg then in Toronto? I think so. I don't know. I didn't go back and check. And that was the year they won the MLS cup. So yeah. maybe, maybe it's, it's all maybe. Round and round, up and down, full circle, yeah, Kevin. There you go. That's where it is. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to sort of talk about, Galaxy. Da, da, da. No, I think that covers that. I do want to give, you know, an actual real just quick preview in terms of what we're expecting, and then I'll tell you the LA Galaxy's travel schedule because it's an interesting and then one. I, I- I want to talk briefly about the difference between points and wins, too, because I think we're looking at the wrong number. Let's do that. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. So here it is. The LA Galaxy going up to Seattle. This is a Wednesday night game. Uh, it's at, it's on Apple TV. It's for free, right? MLS season pass. This is a free game. 7.30 p.m. is your TV start time. 7.39 p.m. is your kickoff time. Uh, Seattle, 12, 9, and 10. LA Galaxy, 8, 11, and 11. All right, so uh, again... All these things sort of leading into this game. This is a very, very important game to the, for the LA Galaxy. It's not. Uh, we talked about Portland and saying that Portland was bordering on must-win territory because if Dallas had won, that you would be too many points behind to really do it. And that if that would have happened, then really the Seattle game would have absolutely been a must-win game. They tied. Dallas tied. The LA Galaxy tied. They're still within the same amount of points. There's still six points um, with four games to go. So technically speaking, they're still in there. Right. So uh, that's why we look at this. But you look at the overall on this and the L.A. Galaxy, by the way, this is this is one of those uh, fun, crazy stats, Kevin, that drives everybody crazy. Uh, Seattle is unbeaten in 10 straight regular season meetings with the L.A. Galaxy. Win six, draw four, the longest league unbeaten run by any team against the L.A. Galaxy in MLS history. The Galaxy's only win in their last 17 league matches against Seattle came at home in 2018 as they haven't won in Seattle since a one nothing win in 2016. All right. So uh, that's that's how steep of an incline the L.A. Galaxy are facing in Seattle. And again, it sort of comes down to what Dallas does and what the rest of the league does. But do the L.A. Galaxy lose positions here or lose points to anybody? You have to at least match whatever is happening in ninth place in order to still be within touch. So we look at all those scenarios. Greg Vanny today, Kevin, pointed out, he said, if we win, if we get 
four wins, you know, go go with the three three points for the next four games, we'll make the playoffs. And I think even you, you're like, yeah, that they'll probably make the playoffs with with the twelve points, right? Yeah, yeah, because one of those wins would come against Dallas, the team they're chasing. Right, right, and so those all add up. And even if Dal- you know Dallas can't win out because they would ha- eventually go up against the Galaxy, and then there's a game in hand where the Galaxy would make up points on Dallas, right? So there's six points there, and and that whole thing. Now that being said, we're going to talk about tiebreakers. And I said, Vanny said, you know, if we get ten points, he goes, he goes, maybe we're okay. He goes, that's not horrible. He goes, I don't hate that. He goes, nine points, we need a lot of help. Right, so three wins now in the LA Galaxy need a lot of help. So I think Greg Vanny's sort of on it, but Kevin, you wanted to talk about this. You're saying we're worried about the wrong number. You're worried about wins more than you are about yeah, points, right? And here's why. In, last week, I said that uh, with five games to go, if they got ten points, that I thought they would make it. They got one point, so nine points in four games. Right. They, they can still do that. They still make my schedule, but I was looking at the wrong number. I was looking at points, and if they get nine points, they would go to 44, and and they could at least tie Dallas or, you know, go into that last game with Dallas with a chance to win a playoff berth. But what I fail to look at is the wins. And the wins, as we talked earlier, you talked about MLS uh, uh, emphasis on wins. Wins, not uh, goal differential, is the first tiebreaker. Goal differential is the second tiebreaker. The Galaxy are really screwed on both of those. Galaxy only have eight wins. Everybody above them, Austin has nine, Minnesota has nine, Kansas City has ten, Dallas, very importantly, Dallas also has 10, San Jose has 10. So the Galaxy not only have to make up points to tie them, but they have to win more games. They have to catch them. In the case of Dallas, LA has the Galaxy have to win three more games than Dallas does because the tiebreaker is wins. The second tiebreaker is goal differential. The Galaxy are terrible there. They can't afford to tie anybody on points. They have to beat them on points because if they tie them, the wins are the goal differential. The Galaxy lose both on, on both ends. Now, the Galaxy have two games coming up on the road, Seattle and Minnesota. Again, we're not going to say they're, they're must-wins, but in reality, they pretty much must-wins. The Galaxy 2-7-6 and six on the road this year. That's not good. Dallas on Wednesday, when the Galaxy are playing Seattle, Dallas plays Colorado. That's- they only won twice on the road. At, at Dallas, if Dallas wins that game, not only do they have 44 points, but they have 11 wins. If the Galaxy don't beat Seattle, they cannot pass them. I was uh, I have somewhere on here the uh, the schedule for the games coming up on Wednesday night. Um, that's the whole thing is that while uh, the, one of the things is Dallas kicks off at 530. So by the time the LA Galaxy kick off, they will know what Dallas did. Right. So you realistically know what you have to have. So everybody on Wednesday night, you'll know that you're going to want to watch the Dallas, Colorado game. That's one of the important ones. That's going to sort of give you the idea of where everything is at. Right. So watch that game. It's 530 p.m. MLS season pass. Um, and that's going to be Dallas versus Colorado. Colorado's the worst team in the league. We've talked about that. They're basically already have the wooden spoon all gobbled up. They've been eliminated from the playoffs. The only team in the Western Conference who has been eliminated from the playoffs right now. But the Galaxy's whole idea of staying pace right if they lose to dallas if or if they lose to seattle and dallas wins which is a very likely scenario right that puts them nine points out with not with three games to play and the nine points it's you you can't tie dallas if you tie dallas um it doesn't work right so uh that's one of those things that you have to look at now the last game is against dallas as well so are you technically out of it kevin no right but again vanny said it nine points and you need a lot of help all right, nine points and you need a lot of help. You need somebody to falter. You need somebody to stumble. Nine points is too much. It's a bridge too far. Uh, so while it won't be over on Wednesday night, it very well could be over on Saturday should the LA Galaxy go to Minnesota and have to play. Uh, they're needing to win and not getting a win. 
Um, and by the way, you said Colorado's worst team in the league. Actually, right now, um, the wooden spoon goes to Toronto. Oh, is it Toronto? Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, Toronto's Colorado, horrible. The, the, kind of the best case scenario, I think, probably for the Galaxy would be um, maybe for San Jose. The Galaxy have two games in hand over San Jose. Right. If San Jose were to get passed by Dallas and then San Jose becomes the ninth place team, um, the Galaxy probably have a better chance of catching them. And San Jose's goal differential is minus four. The Galaxy is minus nine. That's still a lot to make up. But the math looks a little better with San Jose because of the extra game in hand. Dallas playing Colorado, like you said, they they could – these are – you know, it, it, when you look at how they are stack up against the Galaxy, they they could pretty much clinch a tie with the Galaxy, which would be a win. If they, if they beat Colorado, then San Jose becomes the team that – realistically, the Galaxy might want to be chasing. I was kind of hoping that it might go into, and it still could, the math says it still can, that Dallas Galaxy game, Fan Appreciation Day, that uh, the the new Will Middlebrook Fan Appreciation Day uh, gift could be a playoff berth for the Galaxy. Um, it, it's mathematically still possible, but, boy, if if Dallas gets a draw with Colorado, then the, Gal- the Galaxy are really in there. If Galaxy beat, If Dallas beats Colorado, which... You know, you, everybody expects. Yeah, I was going to say, you have really to expect tough. that. Yeah, you have to expect that. That is the, that is, if you were going to say, what is the likely outcome of that game? It's Dallas beating Colorado. Um, you know, that being said, there's a lot of pressure there and there's a lot of, there's not a lot of pressure on Colorado and Colorado has been going after uh, different teams and doing different and, things, you know? And you said that game's at 530 and the Galaxy at 730. 730 yep. So, you so Galaxy could go in there knowing that yep. Dallas already has a win. They're three wins ahead, meaning the Galaxy need to win out. Yeah. I mean, and that's sort of that's one of those things. Again, it it can't really be over on Wednesday night, but it can be over on Saturday night, right? That's that's she's, sort of the fat lady's warming up. She's she's getting she's stretching. She's stretching. She's getting ready to go. So um so that's sort of where we sit with that. Now let's give you an injury update. I'm sure most of you already know, but here is your injury update. Uh, Chris Mavinga extremely questionable for Wednesday. Possibility that he could be ready for Saturday against Minnesota. Uh, the big one everybody wants to know is Ricky Pooch. Uh, if I had uh, Greg Vanny was very, very questionable for Wednesday. When you're very, very questionable for Wednesday, that means you're probably not going to play. Now, does that mean Ricky travels? Yes, Ricky travels. Um, Kevin, what happens if Dallas wins that game? Does Ricky Pooch suddenly start the game and in, 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 against Seattle on turf? Do you have to roll the dice for that? Because wow, that, that's a good that's a good thing. Um, that's a good question. Um, there are so many factors. You know, you use Ricky in that game, and then you lose him for the last three. You really didn't help yourself. Right. I, I think Greg probably does not make that you know technical decision based on what happens in the Dallas game. I think he knows going in, and and I you know I don't think Ricky plays. I think you make a push with him in the last three. If if you you need him for that last three. You know, his teammates, this is where his teammates have to sort of pick him up, I think. Yeah. By the way, Vanny absolutely tipping his hand, basically saying there's zero chance that Ricky Pooch is going to play on Wednesday night. Now, is he setting everybody up? Is he setting them up? They're not going to be ready for Ricky Pooch. They're going to they're going to bring in the sneaky Pooch. That's what the that's what it, no, I don't think so. I think Ricky Pooch is not going to play on Wednesday. Uh, which means another uphill battle. Do I think Douglas Costa plays? Yes. And I think he plays as many minutes as that body can handle. Um, but again, Greg Vanny is well aware that nine points with some help still gets them in, right? It's just, it's just tough. It's just tough to the, gamble on that. They have to jump over three teams just to get to nine. So yeah, but that's, Dallas is how many points three is teams that? At, 
Yeah, I, I, I realize that. But still, I mean, if the Galaxy draw and Austin draws, they haven't moved up any. Yes. If the Galaxy win and Minnesota draws and Kansas City draws, they don't move up any. Yeah. Um, so th- that's this is the worst. I think any athlete will tell you, any coach, this is the worst position you want to be in where you need help, where you can win out and still not get in because you don't get the help. You really want to have that stuff in your own hands. You wanted to, uh, you know, ri- it, we rise and fall on how we play, not whether – a couple of years ago, remember, there was that lucky bounce in the last game of the season in stoppage time. Yep. The Galaxy did what they had to do, and there was a lucky bounce that kept them out of the playoffs. Yeah, for another, for another. It was a handball that was missed on the other game that, that basically yep. happened. Yeah, the, the whole deal. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Um, you know, I'll also point out that just for this Seattle game and everything that's going on, it, it's it's Greg Vanny before this, he was asked, Damian was talking to him today. He was sort of asked, he's like, you know, what do you make of this you know, final thing? And Greg was talking about the points, but he started off with, you know, I'm we're, I'm just in the point now where I'm kicking myself. I'm ki- You know, the team is kicking itself for not picking just one or two wins up out of those draws that they've had. One or two wins and the LA Galaxy are in a massive, add six points to the LA Galaxy's total right now, Kevin, right? So, and, they're, and they're in, they're in the, they're, well, they'd be tied with Dallas on they, points. They'd probably. be tied with Dallas on points. That's where tied they would be. Tied with Dallas on wins. Yep. Yep, there would be it would be a, it would be a fun little stretch here um, coming down the way. That's what that's what just the difference is. And listen, I'm not one of these people who likes to like re re sort of play those games and say, oh, well, if they only would have done this. But the amount of draws they have, it's it's some of those that you sit there and go. There were well, a lot you, of draws where they where they could have lost points. You just have to look back two days, a game they were winning with 15 minutes to go and they couldn't close it out. And that's the difference that, you know, with nine wins and three points. Right. It's a totally different scenario. By the way, are they going to stay? They're not coming back after Seattle, right? Let's, let's do travel. Let's travel. Uh, they're traveling up to Seattle tomorrow morning. So they will leave on Tuesday morning. They will head up to Seattle. They will train in Seattle on the Tuesday night. Then they have a game on Wednesday night. Thursday morning, they'll travel to Minneapolis. They will train on Friday. Really, it's more recuperation for Thursday and Friday is is the recoup day. Um, They will train on Friday. Uh, They will play Minnesota on uh, Saturday. So, by the way, we call it regeneration day. Regen- yeah, soccer. recuperation, regeneration, same yeah. thing. And soccer, soccer, soccer term. Once you've been around soccer, a little you bit. just Take talked. Turns. You just talked about the LA Galaxy and the points that they've dropped with draws and everything like that. Here is something to counter that. Uh, notably, the Galaxy have rescued a league high 14 points from losing positions during the 16 league match- matches played. Uh, six, two, and eight, 26 points dating back to May 31st. That May 31st date, the Galaxy have rescued 14 points. They have 14 more points than they should have because they have come back to rescue themselves. Maybe we're looking at it not that the Galaxy drop points. Maybe they're lucky to be in the position they're in right now if you want to take that scat, stat where they've rescued 14 points. Take 14 well, points away from them and tell me where they're at. Here's something we talked about before. The Real Salt Lake game moved from August when they had just got Yoshida, they had just got sharp. They weren't playing, but Ricky Pooch was healthy. Um, uh, Sant, uh, Douglas Cost was healthy. Is that going to wind up being a factor? I mean, I think if they play that Salt Lake City game, then they, they would be even at home. A draw. They might have been lucky to get a draw out of that game. See, Salt Lake was a little bit scuffling, but they've gotten hot since then. Yep. Um, now they're going to get Real Salt Lake back at home after a week's rest. They're going to get them at home. Maybe without Ricky Poos, you know, we don't know about Douglas Costa, whether it's Doug or Douglas at that point. Um, is that that's going to be a key game? And it would have been a key game in August. Do you yeah. think they helped themselves by by postponing? They didn't have a choice. There was a hurricane. By moving that game, did they help themselves or hurt themselves? 
I, I mean, I think at this point you have to say it helps. Um, but but who knows? Maybe they go in and win that game. You know, it's one of those in an alternate universe. Kevin, they played that game with the guys they had and with Ricky Pooge and he was healthy and Douglas Costa was, you know, however that ends up sort of playing out. There's an alternate universe that I'm sure that was would have been positive for the galaxy to be in there. But you're right. It, I don't think it hurts. I am worried to sort of see what the international break does. Eric Zavaleta was talking about he just had a baby. Um, and he was saying how going and traveling to go see the international team uh, for El Salvador is something that he's not exactly looking forward to right now. And he's been having those discussions with El Salvador. He may be done with El Salvador. That was sort of what he was hinting at uh, whenever he was. Well, they have asked. a new coaching staff. I'm sure they're going to want to bring in their own players. Has, by the way, hasn't even called him yet, by the way. That was in the thing. They asked if uh, if he had uh, he had been called yet. And he goes, no, haven't had haven't well, talked to the coach yet. Well, we have three and a half years to the next World Cup. It would be natural for them to start looking at new players now um by the way these two games at the end of the, this two game stretch here that galaxy will have played eight games in 35 days yep um awesome. which when you you talk about them running out of steam they're in this exhausted. last game and not being able to close it out they're exhausted they're shorthanded um uh it's it, you know it it's been a terrific stretch but i just have to go back and say remember when this stretch started it was after the the, the front office decision if that decision is made two weeks earlier, are we in a different position? Yes. I, I don't know. I can't answer that yes. question. Yes, because, yeah, okay. because I've talked to too many people who said that that was a pressure that the LA Galaxy couldn't handle, right? And and what happens as soon as Chris Klein is, is let go is the LA Galaxy reverted back to basically a team that, would had they have done this the entire season, would probably be comfortably above the playoff line right now. Um, even with all the draws, there would have been more wins. There would have been a lot of things. But that start that they had at the beginning of the season was was atrocious. Um, so you can't have that. Um yeah, I don't I, I mean, we're sort of we're, we're 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 at the point, Kevin, it feels like uh, like a tsunami, right? You know, like in all the movies, you see it way out on the horizon and it's coming, it's coming and like it doesn't look that bad. And you're like, we can get over that. We'll be fine. We're going to make it, you know, the whole deal. And then as it gets closer and closer, it builds up higher and higher. And right now, I just sort of like those videos on YouTube where it shows the boats like going vertical on the waves. That's where it feels like the L.A. Galaxy. They're going vertical on the wave. Uh, are they going to get flipped over? It, there's a good chance that they're getting flipped over. It's a, there's a good chance the next wave, this this thing that they're trying to crest, that it crashes on top of them and and ends that season. And it wouldn't surprise me at this point. Um, just well, too, too many injuries for me. And, here, and here's a couple of things to really make your point. If, if, remember the the front office decision with Chris Klein was made near the end of May. I think the last week, sometime mm-hmm. the last week of May. During May, before that decision, the Galaxy lost to Colorado. Three to one, one of only two uh, road wins for Colorado this season. Yep, um, they did beat Seattle, although that was a U.S. Open Cup game, so that didn't count. They lost to Columbus. They got shut out by D.C. United. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, maybe uh, they lost to Charlotte. Charlotte, a team that only has seven wins this season. So there's two games in there. I think that clearly Charlotte and, and Colorado games that they could have and should have won, both of them at home. And then they lost away at DC United. So yeah, if you if you take those those nine points they dropped and say give them two draws, right, we're in a different position. Is is uh is there any realistic expectation you have for the LA Galaxy to win this game in Seattle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, realistic. Yeah, I think they could win it. Would I bet on them to win it? No. <laughs> right, right. No, I I don't think I don't think they're going to win this game. I don't think they they have the horsepower. Um, but I, I just, I, I, it feels like a team of destiny, you know, know, in a little bit. And that's exactly what I was thinking Saturday because they go down, I'm thinking, and without Ricky Pooj, it's over, it's done. This right. game's going to be 7 nothing. Right. And they come back and they should have won. Yep. And so you look at that and you say, there's something going on here. So it it feels like a team you, you don't want to bet against. But on the other hand, I don't 
go into this and say, yeah, absolutely, they're just going to mop the field with them. No, no, that would be it would be a weird game for them to go up and, and beat Seattle, especially bucking the trend. Now, having said that, I am the roulette guy. If it comes up red seven times, eventually it's going to come up black. The LA Galaxy, it's been a lot of red with Seattle. They've been Seattle's drawn or won most of those games in that 10 game unbeaten streak. Maybe maybe this is the time. But, maybe this but, is when the tide the turns. Seattle is playing for home field advantage in the playoffs, which is important to them because they do have a home field advantage, unlike a lot of other teams. It's the turf and the cold and 40,000 fans. So they're playing for something. But I think the big thing is is they're giving up a goal a game. The Galaxy, um, they're, they're giving up three, four goals a game. I just don't see the Galaxy scoring enough against Stephen Fry to stay in the game. I think, I mean, it could be close. I, the Galaxy will score, but it, this feels like a two to one, three to one game where the Galaxy just have a lot of opportunities and Stefan Fry is just too good. And, and there's a fluke goal on the other end. Um, and uh, that's the difference in the game. That's, that's kind of what it feels like. But on the other hand, I'm not betting that way. Right. I'm not risking my money on this team. Right. Right. Exactly. No, <laughs> don't, don't do that. All right. Very good. Uh, that's where we stand. LA Galaxy headed up to Seattle. Uh, this is a Wednesday night game and then away to uh, Minnesota on Saturday. So again, 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday. 7.39 p.m. is your kickoff time on Apple TV for free. Big game. Uh, could be for all the marbles. We'll keep an eye on that game uh, for Dallas uh, that kicks off at 5.30. All right. Uh, anything else, Kevin? You good? You want to know what the Seattle weather is? Yeah. What is the Seattle weather? Are you typing it in as we speak? Yeah, that's why you can hear the ch-ch-ch. Yes. Um, it is going to be on Wednesday, 63 degrees is the high, 49 the low, so it'll be closer to 49 at night. Cloudy. Cloudy. Uh, it's gonna looks like it's going to rain on Tuesday, so maybe um, bother them a little bit with their uh, training. All right. Well, we will uh, we will take it take a look, and uh, everybody will be ready for that. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Uh, head on over to latimes.com for all of his soccer coverage. You can check that out, latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-E-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast on Twitter, at Galaxy Podcast on Threads, cornerofthegalaxy.com, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, all those fun places, Apple Podcasts, that's where you can find us. Tell your friends. We certainly appreciate it. LA Galaxy, Seattle coming up on Wednesday night. This is a big one. We'll have coverage right here on Twitter. Be ready for it. All right, for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh. Pat Togesman, you've been listening and watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>